I have um, with me here the um, uh, rechargeable flashlight. This is a very nice toy. I've been enjoying this a lot. Um, this is a rechargeable flashlight. It's got a little port you can pull off here and plug it in here. Even has uh, takes double A's, but it has a little extra thing you can put it with triple A's to temporarily use while you're getting your double A's recharged. But it's a rechargeable direct plug-in, and it's a nice flash. Let me show, show this to you. This is, I want to mess with you all here. Woo! Okay, isn't that great? Now, I think that's bad. Try this. Okay, don't don't be mad at me now. Okay, look at this. Whoa! Isn't that great? Okay, I'm just shining your uh, online. Okay. I'm a child right now. I can't help myself. Okay, this is um this is a great flashlight. It does all these cool things. Um, let's see here. Oh, I like that one there. That'll give you a seizure. Okay. Oh, it goes on the side. This is good stuff. Anyhow, I like this thing. Uh, it's a rechargeable flashlight, though. Isn't that a great tool, a great device? And what I want to do is I just want to talk about that for a minute because this flashlight, boy, doesn't a flashlight come in handy in your life? Let's be honest now. Doesn't a flashlight come in handy? Or have you ever been to a spot where you wish you had a flashlight? but you couldn't find one, or you found one and the batteries were dead, right? That's what usually happens. And so, but when you're in the, it's outside and it's dark, or your car breaks down, or you're in the basement, and boy, it's nice to have a flashlight. And a flashlight serves a purpose as long as the batteries, until the batteries die, it comes in handy. We saw a few weeks ago in church, we talked a lot about how that we are, Jesus said we are the light of the world, that we are supposed to be light in a dark world. We're supposed to be shining light. We're supposed to be bringing light to people who are in darkness. That's what we want to be, like a flashlight to help out where it's dark. And, and, and we can do that. We've discussed that at length a few weeks back. But, but here's what I want to say. It's so important. Um, just like the flashlight that provides us that light, it's great and it comes in handy until the battery dies. We're talking about recharging this series and getting back to full when life leaves you feeling empty. Because ultimately, we want to be there for the people and things we care about most. And we can't do that if we're, if we're on empty. We can't do that, right? We, we, we can't help anybody. But if we're, if we're charged, we can be there for the people and things we care about most. We're reminded that we can't serve our purpose and help others if we drain or burn out. Two weeks ago when we started this series, and if you missed anything in the series, by the way, you can go back to our website and find them. And give them a listen or a watch. Because we saw at the beginning the Apostle Paul said as he served people with his life, his, his concern was that as he did his calling, that he would get to a spot where he was trying to help other people. And then along the way, he burned out. He found himself sidelined. He found himself done. And he didn't want to be that person. So what he wanted to do was make sure that he was taking care of himself while he tried to live his life to take care of others. So here's the thing. Uh, we want to recharge. We want you to recharge. We've got to recharge physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, because all those things, as we've said from the beginning, they interconnect and they affect each other. It's all connected and it's all affected. And we see how the flashlight, it has to get recharged in order to keep providing light. At some point, if it doesn't, it will stop. By the way, we're going to talk about other kinds of charging, recharging. We talked about uh, physical recharge a couple weeks ago, mentally a little bit last week. We'll come back to that. We're going to talk about, relate in the near future, we're going to talk about relationally recharging. That's such an important topic for all of us in any station of life we're in. But for today, we're going to talk about spiritually recharging, spiritually recharging. This is the talk you'd expect a pastor to have, right? But this is why, this is why I'm a pastor. This is why I do what I do, because I've seen in my life the importance of spiritually 
charging ourselves up. Because again, if we spiritually drain, it affects those other areas of our life. They are all important. And so um, we see this flashlight, how it gets recharged in order to provide light. What What does it do? Well, it connects to an outside power source. If, I, if, I, if the batteries are running down and I just use the flashlight and put it on a shelf or put it in my pocket, it's not recharging, right? It's not recharging just by being turned off. It has to actually plug into an outside power source. And being plugged into that source recharges it so that it can then shine bright again. And like the, the flashlight, it's up to us. We need to be plugged in to an outside power source? Are we connecting to an outside power source to spiritually recharge? Are we getting recharged? Because, um, because it's so important that we do. So the ancient prophet Isaiah, the ancient prophet Isaiah used to talk, uh, talked about this a little bit. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30, he said, even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. In other words, this is not something that just happens to those of us who are getting older. I have to say those of us getting older because I can't say those of you anymore. I'm in that category now, right? But those of us, even youth, even if you're young and you feel full of energy, you get drained. You get drained, don't you? And, and you can be out of steam. Um, even youths will fall in exhaustion. But, this is so good, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. That's the idea because our old strength is gone. It's, it just goes away. And at some point, we got to get new strength. we got to get recharged, right? And those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will, they will walk and not faint. So we want to find new strength. We want to be recharged. And it begins by, by trusting in the Lord. And I have to begin here today. I have to say this today. Trusting in the Lord is the start. And if you have never done so, Trusting in the Lord is where I want to encourage you to begin your journey of faith today. Let me take a couple minutes to talk about this because it's so important before we get to some life hacks. And that is this. Um, we were created by God in love, and, but all of us have found ourselves disconnected. Basically, God is a God of love, and in love, he gave us life. And in love, he gave us the freedom to choose. And we've all chosen poorly along the way, haven't we, many times, Right? It's a tough thing. But by the way, we, we, we embrace those two things. We are, we are really funny. Humans are funny people. We really protect and embrace our freedom to choose. It's a love-hate relationship. We love the freedom to choose, and we kind of hate what happens when people have the freedom to choose, including ourselves sometimes. But we still want it. But God's given us life, and he's given us that freedom. And with it, with it comes, well, the mess that we can make and we have made. And we were born into it and we've seen it, the destruction of bad choices and sin. And we, we live with our own, don't we? And all of us at some point have been disconnected from our maker through our sins. We felt ourselves disconnected from God. That sin brought a barrier. Sin brought a gap. And that sin is what separates that relationship. And sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death, the Bible says. But God, who loved us and created us, wants us in relationship with him. And so he bridges that gap. He bridged that gap on the cross. On the cross, I love the famous Bible verse, John 3, 16. We say it all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. 
And the gospel is very simple, that, that God stepped into the, the, the disconnect that we found through sin and said, I want our relationship back together. And so he did what it took to build that bridge. He paid for our sins. That's what forgiveness is. That's hard to do, to pay for, to, 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 for someone else to do wrong and you to bear their wrong so that they don't have to because that relationship's more important to you than their suffering for their wrong. That's hard, but, but that's what God was doing through the cross. He was saying, I want you back more than I want you to pay, so I'll pay instead. He was saying, I love you this much, and he hung on the cross for us, and he died for our sins, and he rose again and destroyed the ultimate part of, of our consequence, which is death. Conquered the grave and said, it's no big deal. Put an exclamation point on who he was and said, just believe that I did that for you to bring that relationship back together and receive it. But once again, once again, though he's done all of that to restore our relationship, he still gives us that freedom to choose. He doesn't force it. He just offers it. He's done all the hard work, and he says, what are you going to do with it? And it's up to us at some point to just say, I kind of get it, but now I'm going to tangibly act on that. I'm going to believe that and receive it. It's kind of moving from the head to the heart. So for me, it was when I was 16. I was 16 years old. I was raised in church all my life since I was a wee little squirt. And uh, at 16, I was sitting at home one day. It was January 18th, 1990. Don't do the math, please. I was um, sitting at home on my couch. I was alone, and it, it kind of hit me that I knew this stuff, but I hadn't acted on it. And so that was the day that I, I realized, you know, I, I need to put my faith and trust. Jesus did that to save me, to re bring me back to him, and I need that relationship. I actually turned around on my couch and kind of like an altar. I made a, I made a space to pray with my face on my couch, and I, I just prayed and said, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve eternal life for sure. I've, I've severed myself over and over again from what's right and from you. And I know that you sent your son to die on the cross and pay for my sins because you love me and you forgive and you want us back. You rose again, broke the power of death, and you want that relationship. I believe that and I receive it today. I accept your sacrifice. I accept your, your grace. Take me to heaven when I die and walk with me in life right now. Be connected. Thank you for new life, now you have mine. Something like that. I prayed a prayer. It doesn't matter. The words aren't magic. It was just a connection of faith. We believe that, and we believe that Jesus did that to bring us back to God, because we can't get back to God. No matter how good we are, our sins are still there. But he built that bridge. We believe that he's the answer. It's not our goodness. It's not our religion. It's not going to church. It's not giving. All those things are good to do, but those are little things we can do. But the connection comes because God built the bridge back to us through Calvary. There's no other way. If there was another way, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. It was our way back to God. He built that bridge, and when we believe that and we receive it, Put our faith in him. That's salvation. That's the beginning. That's getting back connected to God. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today when we close in prayer, when we have a quiet time. Say, Lord, here I am. I believe you did that for me. That's my ticket back into a relationship with you. It's not found in me. It's found in what you provided. I receive it. I restored. You have the choice. What are you going to do with it? Changed my life that day and it set me on a new course. And so believe. Trust in the Lord. Let me just make this statement also. It's not really in my notes, but it's, I planned to say it. After believing in the Lord, a good step is baptism. This baptism is a big first step after we believe is, is baptism. Baptism is a picture of, it's an outward demonstration that says, I'm not embarrassed to be identified with my faith. 
I want everyone to know that my faith is in Christ. That we picture that he died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. And that's what my, my, my trust is in for my salvation. It's in his sacrifice, not my goodness. It also pictures that I died to my old self and I'm raised to, into new life with him. It's a big statement of faith. It's important. And, and Jesus did it. And, and, and by the way, you say, well, I, I did it when I was a child. When I was a little child, I was baptized because my parents who loved me wanted me to, to, to have that step. But I didn't understand the gospel. Yet when I was older and I received and I believed and I understood, I, I made that step of faith myself and connected it with Christ, then I was baptized that time of my, of my will, of my choice, to say, I'm, I, I'm glad I was as a child. That's great. But now I believe and I'm making a public statement of my faith in Christ. Big deal. Jesus did it when he started his ministry and so on. So baptism, salvation, those are big steps. If you're not there yet, start there. We get spiritually recharged through our faith. If our faith is allowed to waver or starve out, we'll become weak. I've, I've seen people in my life, they'll make that connection point with God, but then they'll let that relationship it's like you can, we call, that, we call that salvation, we call it being born again, like being born into God's family. Like we're God's creation when we believe we're, we're his children, we, we're part of the spiritual family. But you could be in the family with somebody and not be in relationship with them. You all know, ever lived in the house with somebody and they're your family, but there's no relationship there, right? It's like, okay, you know, what is this? And so um, how do we not only come to faith in Christ, but then be in relationship, be connected with him regularly? Beyond salvation, beyond baptism, what do we do? Because I've seen people let this slip away, let, let that connection slip away. And what happens is this. In time, maybe not right, for a while, it all looks as good as ever. For a while, I've got disconnected from my faith, but it all is good for a while. No big deal. But at some point, sometimes we don't even see it happen until it's done. We wake up one day and say, man, I'm so far. My beliefs have gotten so off point. Or you look someone else and say, man, you've gotten in some crazy space in your mind, in your heart, in your head, in your behavior, in your life. I don't know what happened. But you can almost trace it back to a disconnecting spiritually from our recharge. Jesus talked about this. Jesus taught Something along these lines 2,000 years ago before there was electricity and flashlights. He didn't have this analogy. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that have freaked everyone out? <laughs> Here's a flashlight. Whoa. So he didn't have that. But he had something that they understood in their culture because they were agrarian and they were farmers. They had cattle and sheep and they had, you know, land to farm and they had, they had vineyards. So they had different kinds of things that made sense to them that more than they make sense to us today, kind of like a flashlight being recharged makes sense to us. So Jesus uses an analogy that they understood to teach the same thing that we're teaching today. Here's what he said in John 15, beginning with verse 1. He said, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Picture a vine, a vineyard, and there's vines that, that the branches are growing grapes. The grapes can be plucked to eat or to make wine or whatever. And he says in this vineyard, he said, I am the vine. I'm the vine, and my father, he's the gardener. Verse 2, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. It's a powerful illustration about the power of pruning. The power of pruning. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who is big into the tree service business. He knows when trees need to be cut down. He can do that. But he also has these, this gear. He'll throw the ropes up into a tree and pull himself up. It's crazy. It's fun to watch. And he can take a tree that looks okay and say, if I can take 30% off of this tree, I can make it flourish even bigger. 
or 20% off. I can trim some branches off and some spots back, and this tree will be healthier than ever by pruning it some. And that's amazing. I love to see that work. And by the way, I, this is not my sermon today, but maybe this is what someone in the room needs to hear. Maybe this is what God is saying to your heart. Perhaps you're finding some pruning is going on in your life today. And you don't know what's got, what God is doing and why things are being pruned, but it might just be that God is doing something in your life today because he's trying to help grow you in a way that only comes through pruning. Anyhow, let's go on. He says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Verse 4, I love this. Remain in me. Those are such important words. This is the whole illustration. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch, picture the vineyard, picture the vine. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. We understand this, right? Like if you go to a, a, a vineyard and a branch gets cut off from the vine or ripped off or falls off, it's, it's not going to produce any, anything, Right? It's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to be healthy. It's not going to be vibrant. It might be, depending on how it's cut off, it might be for a little while. It might look as green and as lively, and you, know, you can't burn it. It's too, it's too rich as it was when it was connected. It might not tell a difference looking at it yet. But give it a little time, and it starts to dry out. Give it a little time, and it just becomes it's just dead. It might not show up right away, but it's going to at some point, Right? He goes on and he explains this. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We get away from the source. The vine is connected into the ground through the roots and is bringing nutrients and nourishment up through it and it's feeding the branches. And the branch gets the nutrients and it's fruitful, and it's live, and it doesn't have to try to be fruitful. It doesn't have to sit there and grunt out fruitfulness. This is silly. It's just connected to the vine, and it's natural. But you take it off, and you disconnect it from the vine and the nutrients and the, the life. And it might look okay for a while, but it's dying, and it's going to be obvious at some point, if not right away. In fact, he even goes on, to, he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a big statement. We all understand that. Verse 6, this is powerful. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. We hear that it sounds so harsh, especially if you had a harsh church background. Like, it's like, ooh, that's harsh. And maybe it was. I don't know. I've heard that before, too. Here's what I see. I see Jesus teaching an analogy, an illustration. And what he's saying here is this. He's saying, look, listen, I love you. But picture that vine. You get that branch cut off from the vine, it's just it's just gonna, it's gonna, not gonna live. And then at some point they just rake them up because all they could do is be kindling now. That's tragic. I don't want that for you. I want you to have life. I want you to be vibrant. I love you. That's what he's saying. So don't look at the vine and don't discount the importance of that connection. Remain in me. Verse seven. But if you remain in me, he said, and my words remain in you. That's powerful. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, the illustration there, how? How do we do this? How, it's like recharging. It's like the, it's like the, the flashlight. It's like, it's like the, I said the vine gets cut off from the branch, and for a while it still looks lively, but you realize it's dying. And it becomes obvious after a while once it's disconnected from the vine. Same with the flashlight. I can use it and not recharge it. And for a while, it'll be fine. I can turn it off. 
and come back to it sometime later, turn it back on, and oh, look, it's still on. Can't tell the difference between a charged one and a one that's been used a lot without being recharged. For a while, it seems fine. I don't need to recharge. Look at me. I'm still doing, I'm still doing well. And you won't tell right away that the disconnect from recharge is taking a toll until one day it's too obvious. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Remain in me. Remain in me. So how? How do we remain in him? How do we stay connected to Christ so that our faith recharges, so that we don't drain our lives in all the interconnected ways of relational and emotional? Because we are spiritually drained. How can we stay plugged in and charged? I'm going to give you a few suggestions today. I'm going to tell you what they all are up front. Some will take a little time. Some will just brush over real quick. But there's five things I want to point out today as hacks. Uh, Prayer. Prayer is a big one. God's word. Meditation, worship, and church gathering. Five things we can do to stay connected and recharge. It's a big idea. Now, um, as I said, I'm trying to give you practical tools. Pick one of these today that speaks to your heart. If there's one today, you don't have to figure out all five. Maybe you're doing a couple of these great. But find the one that God speaks to your heart about and say, as I leave here today, I'm going to work on putting this into my life. Just take one home. Now, prayer is a big one, so I'm going to come back to that one. Let me begin to this next few minutes by talking about God's word first. God's word. You know, we saw it earlier, didn't we? Jesus said in that, in that analogy, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Oh, his words are so important to remain in us. That's what brings fruitfulness, his words. I want to, I want to ask ourselves, is, are, we, are we connected to the word of God? It's interesting because when Jesus, when Jesus began his earthly ministry at age 30, he, he, first thing he did was got baptized, by the way, to, to give us an example, which is powerful. And then after that, he, um, he, before he began the rest of his ministry, he went off into the wilderness and spent 40 days praying and fasting, really just praying, and just spending time spiritually connecting to the Father and recharging for his ministry. At the end of the 40 days, he was tired, he was hungry, he was probably feeling drained, right? But in other ways, he was recharged. And the devil comes along at that time, if you know the story, it's in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. The devil comes along and the devil tempts him. And he tempts him where he's weak. And he says to him, hey, do something you shouldn't do, do something that's wrong to do in order to get food because you need to physically eat and physically recharge. And Jesus makes a statement that's so good in that moment of temptation. Jesus says in, in Matthew 4, 4, no, he says, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says, you can't understand that, yes, eating's important. You gotta do that. It's how you keep alive. You gotta do that. But it's not by bread alone. That's just one avenue, and, and you're tempting me in that one area, but you're missing this whole other thing that I understand, Jesus is saying, so important. That just like physical food is important for our physical being, spiritual nourishment and food is important for our spiritual well-being. And it comes from God's word. Every word of God is so important. And, and so I want to encourage you today to just, when, when's the, how much time do you get to spend in, in, in God's word? And, and I don't just mean on Sundays at church. So well, I, I, I hear it on Sunday at church. That's good. I'm going to talk about that later. That's very important. But it's like saying, oh, I don't need to eat this week. I'm going to eat this weekend. You know? They're, they're both important, right? They're both important. They're both a big deal. And so, I mean, 
I've made it a practice since I was a teenager, since I came to faith in Christ, to, um, I made it a point to read my Bible through one year. Someone challenged me to read it from cover to cover in one year. There's so many Bible reading plans to read the Bible through in one year. It takes about 10 to 12 minutes a day, 15 if you're a slow reader, 8 if you're a fast reader, I don't know. But uh, it, it takes about 10 to, 10 to 15 minutes a day to read your Bible through in a year. And I've been doing that for, don't ask, it's been a long time. 30 years now, probably. I'm getting so old. More than that. Wow. Anyhow, but there have been a few years along the way that I've taken some time off. Not, to, not from reading the Bible, but from reading it through in a year. Instead, a certain year, I might, I might read a certain different plan. Like, I might just focus on this section or that. But the important, that's not counting sermon preparation and all I've done as a pastor. But I've understood that this is an important idea, that I need that spiritual connection to recharge myself and be healthy spiritually. Now, now, I would encourage you to read the Bible through sometime. It's, it's, a, it's great. Get a translation that works well, that connects with you. I love the NLT for its plainness. That's what we use here for its plainness. I've read it through in so many, the King James, the New King James, the ESV, the NIV, the C, uh, M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, I don't know. The, um, the NLT is a favorite. So, so get a, but here's the thing. Read the Bible through and let his word speak to you. Now, um, if, if nothing else... Everyone should download on your phone, which is a technology. Boy, technology is so nice. Back in the dark ages, people couldn't read and couldn't, couldn't have access to books. We have technology. On your phones or your tablets or your devices, you should download the YouVersion Bible app. Everyone should do it. Do it while I'm talking right now if it helps you not forget to do it because it's that important. Y-O-U, YouVersion Bible app. And it's great. It has plans to read the Bible through in a year. It has daily reading plans, monthly, weekly reading plans. But it also has a section called the verse of the day. And in the verse of the day, it just gives you just that one verse and usually a short little video or audio portion that you can watch or listen to that just kind of talks about that verse of the day. And if nothing else, if nothing, if that, that's just that, that's a connection point, that connection point in our spiritual lives. It's a powerful tool for the words of God. I want to talk about that more, but let me come back to a different, let me talk, move on to meditation and mindfulness. And meditation is a big idea. Meditation could mean anything from, like, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm memorizing the scriptures, I'm meditating on what they mean, which is what the last passage was talking about. But there's parts in scripture that talk about just focusing on God's word and focusing on God's truth. Now, in a lot of your Eastern cultures, they have, you know, whole Ideas built around meditation or mindfulness in the idea of emptying your mind of everything else, your distractions, your um, you know, problems, your overload, and just emptying your mind and focusing on your breathing. And, and as a Christian, I think that we see something different in Scripture. In Scripture, we see that there's an option, a, a good principle of emptying your mind of the worries, the anxieties, the distraction, the overload, to focus singularly on God's word or God's truth. I can tell you how many times, I didn't used to do this when I was young, but the last few years I've learned the secret of just getting into a quiet, comfortable spot and sitting down and just saying, and just clearing all the distractions, all the chaos, all the, and it's hard, it's very hard to do that. And focusing on something from God's word or God's truth. For example, a Bible verse. Trust in the Lord with all my heart and he will guide my steps. Breathe in, trust in the Lord with all my heart. Breathe out and he will guide my steps. And just focus on just relaxing and pushing all the things that are crushing me down. This is especially helpful if you're going through anxiety, depression, struggle. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a truth from God's word, like I know God loves me, breathe out and it's gonna be okay. Or a prayer, God, I know you can. I'm asking that you will. 
just focusing on a singular truth from God's word. What does it mean? What does that verse mean? What does that truth mean? How do I need that today? How does that help me? What is that prayer? Just focusing on, on, not on nothingness, but on something that is wholesome, as we said last week, to to fix our thoughts on what is true, honest, just, lovely, and and just being aware of that instead of being pulled a hundred directions by all the stress of life. Now, if you've never tried that before, it might not be for everybody, but you don't know until you give it a shot. And you might find that focusing on something spiritual is recharging your life. Praise and worship. Oh, no, before I go there, I want to show you a verse about that. There's so many verses on this, but I wanted to give you one. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's good. That's a good statement. You should write that one down and, and think about it at home. Meditate on that first. Another one is praise and worship. Praise and worship, this is a big idea. Now, when we say worship, worship is so much bigger. Worship is so much bigger than, than singing. We think about music with praise and worship. Worship is, you know, we come to church, we gather in worship, we connect in worship, we serve others in worship, we witness and share the gospel in worship, we give in worship. Life is saying, God, you're on the throne and I'm worshiping you. That's a big deal. But part of that is praise and worship. We think of music. And I want to talk about music for a minute. This is a great thing to put into your daily life. I wonder how many of us have a playlist on our Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube that's a playlist of of songs of worship and praise to God, not just on Sundays when we come to church and hear them, but that we actually worship in God through music throughout the week. Now, Now, I don't know about you, I love music. I'm a music person. And I love all kinds of music. I'm I'm a variety guy. And maybe you are too. But is there a space in your life where you have time for music to be a tool to worship God. I'm not saying it has to be all your music any more than you only read the Bible and no other books, right? You might read some other books. Hopefully you're not reading any smutty stuff or <laughs> listen to any filthy songs either. But, um, but you know, it's not about everything being sacred. Hopefully, of all the things you enjoy reading, you read the Bible. Whatever you enjoy watching, you enjoy putting time in God. And hopefully with your music, there's a space in your life where you've carved out time to sing and listen to songs about your faith that strengthens and recharges you. It's so important. So important. Where's that place? Because it can just remind you and connect you to God and you're, as you're doing your chores, as you're mowing the lawn, as you're doing some dishes, as you're working at your job, as you're traveling. Um, and, and so praise and worship, music's a powerful tool. Ephesians 5.18 says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. We all probably know somebody who has ruined their life through alcohol addiction, right? Instead, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, that sounds like a recharge to me. How do you do it? How do you get that recharge of God just flowing through you? That Notice the comma there. It's going to tell us in the next verse, verse 19. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in your, to the Lord in your hearts. It's a powerful tool in your life when you start letting uplifting, worshipful music. If you say, well, I, I, how do I get started? I'll send you some recommendations if you want me to, but we we create a church playlist. I don't know. But find some music and and let it be part of your spiritual connection and your recharging. Put it in your mix. Like you do your Bible reading and other things that are so important to your life. Reading the Bible, music, meditation. Here's another one. This is a big one. Prayer. I love prayer. Prayer is a big idea. Prayer is really, in its, in its macro idea, prayer is connecting with God. 
Prayer is connecting with God. So it's relational. So there's a lot of elements. When Jesus taught the model prayer, he kind of taught some elements. Like, for example, in prayer, we give thanks to God for what he's done. In prayer, we confess the things between us to make the relationship okay. In prayer, we worship him, not just for what he's done, but for who he is. And in prayer, we ask for what we need. All of that's just relational. And it's like, well, I don't know what to pray. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's a relationship. It's like going on a, if you, if you don't pray normally, you don't know how to get started, just treat it like a first date. You just go and figure it out as you go. Just go spend time with God and just talk and be yourself because he loves you and he wants to be with you. See, well, what posture do I, do, I, do I stand? Sure. Do I sit? Sure. It doesn't matter. I know someone who, the way they prayed best was they would get a chair out and sit down in the chair, put another chair next to them like someone was sitting in that chair, and they would talk as if God was sitting in that chair. Well, God's not just sitting in that chair. God's everywhere. Yes, thank you, Mr. Theologian. We know that. But if it helps someone connect by picturing that God's right there, that's awesome. Sit down in a chair and talk to the God as if he's sitting next to you. Some people like to pray because it feels more right to kneel, to kneel down or the prayer posture. Yeah, I don't care. That's great. Pray prostrate. You just go all the way out. Oh, Lord. I don't know. Whatever works for you. Can I give you my favorite one? May I suggest... Take a walk. <laughs> I knew that, that surprises you all today, doesn't it? It's just a shock to hear that. But take a walk. I mean, get outside and, and just, uh, you know, we see us walking all the time, don't you? In your house. Uh, take a walk. I love to walk with my wife and take walks during the day. But I like to take a walk by myself, listen to the scriptures, my podcast. And I love to take a walk at night and pray. I love it. Especially at night. When I'm in, during the daytime, if I'm in the office, I'll walk through this auditorium and I'll pray. Not because God's in this room magically. In fact, when I leave, I always say, God, you're not leaving. I'm not leaving you in this room. You're with me everywhere. But I like the space. But when I'm, I love to take a walk at nighttime. For one, if it's dark outside and I'm, I'm talking and no one's next to me that anyone can see, I look less crazy. Or I look crazy and they, they leave me alone, which also works really well. But um, I can walk at nighttime. Like last night was so beautiful. I spent some time walking out here. And just looking up at the stars, when I see the stars and I see our ever-expanding universe, and I think it's so massive, and here's little earth, here's little me and little earth, you know. And I'm like, God is so powerful to create all of that, and yet so personal to hear my prayers. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. And that just gets me connected. I'll start talking to God in relationship. Take a walk, whatever works for you, it doesn't matter. But can I say this? Um, Jesus prioritized the importance of prayer. Now, this is the part where I wanted to give you like 18 verses to prove my point that I don't need to prove, but that's how I can be sometimes. I whittled it down to just a few, so bear with me. But let me just show you. Jesus prioritized the importance of taking time to pray. Mark 1.35 says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke 6, 12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Luke 11, verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. In Matthew 14, 22, he says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. That's just a quick handful of verses. Here's what I'm trying to say. If Jesus, the Son of God, God in a bod, 
you know, come down to be our Savior. And if anyone could skip prayer, you'd think it'd be, he'd be okay. But if Jesus felt it was important to stay connected to the Father for spiritual strength, certainly I need to, right? Certainly you need to. Don't we need that? If Jesus felt it was important for him, isn't it important for us to stay connected to our Father, to stay connected to our power source in prayer? In fact, the night that Jesus was arrested to be crucified the next day, the last thing he did, knowing that was coming and knowing it was a big responsibility to bear our sins on the cross, he prayed once more. Luke 22 tells us the story. It says, verse number 41, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And here's a powerful statement in verse 43. It says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. I love that. As he's facing the most important moment, Jesus, who went and prayed so often, gathered one more time to pray. And as he prayed, he was strengthened. He was recharged. He was ready to face what came next. If he felt the need to do that, boy, don't I need to strengthen and recharge myself through prayer and connecting with God. We've given us several ideas today. We said reading, reading the scriptures, the Bible, meditation, Music and worship to God in music. Um, prayer. I'm going to give you one more today. Church gathering. This is a big idea. This is a big, old, brilliant idea that didn't come from me or anyone else. It was Jesus' idea. He talked about it in the scripture. He said, I'm going to build my church. The Greek word is ekklesia. My gathering, my assembly. I'm going to build this together. And in this, in this gathering, you're going to, you know, to be able to you know, spread the message with synergy and do good and keep each other encouraged. And it was his idea when he died and rose again, the Christians began to do that. The believers began to gather in church. Well, here we are today, still 2,000 years later. And it's a brilliant idea. Think about this. All of the things we've said so far today are included in church, right? All the things we said today are included. At church, we look at some verses of truth in God's word and talk about them, God's word. We praise and worship in music. We usually have a quiet time for reflection for you to just get alone with God and think about what he's saying to you and be mindful and meditate on that. We pray. We do all these things in church and we do it within community with each other, which is a big idea of the community part. I'm not just doing these things. I'm doing these things hopefully alone. I'm doing these Monday and Tuesday. I'm doing these Wednesday and Thursday. But I'm also coming together with other people and we're in community gathered together doing those same things assembled. I love the scripture in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. There's a scripture where the, the author is saying, look, we've got to like, stay connected to and hold fast and hold tight to our faith. Stay connected to that. And then he explains how in Hebrews 10, 24, he says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, motivating each other to acts of love and good works. He expounds in verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In other words, the closer it gets, the closer time goes to the end, to the time of you know, to, to, to Christ's return, to, to whatever's coming, the closer that comes, the more important it is 
to not neglect our meeting together, but to encourage one and to be in a place where as we connect and charge spiritually with God, we do it in community and it's encouraging to say, I'm not the only one trying to, to, to stay connected to God. I'm not the only one facing this life on my own in faith. There's others around me. It's so important because it's an encouragement, it's a strength. We can come together. And it's not just gathering on Sunday mornings. I encourage you to get into a growth group at some point, to get connected through a group where you get out of rows and into circles and talk together and share life. We have a group, um, Ben Quartercracks, who's in, uh, down south on vacation today, has a young-ish couples group, you know. Um, that's a great group to be on Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. Uh, uh, Ron Porter, who was on a fishing trip himself right now, I just was here this morning already for the first uh, earlier. He's uh, going to, um, he runs a group on, on Wednesday, um, on Thursday nights, and also Sunday morning. We have some groups over here in the ladies' group, and then a group that was men, but it's turning into men or women. It's just a, a general group over there. Um, on Sunday mornings, um, I'm starting a group. Joyce has been doing a group. She's getting ready to move away on us. But um, I'm starting a group myself pretty soon as well to add another one. And just get into a group or get into a serving team like the worship team or the guest services team or the um, nursery team. Because when you meet together or serve alongside of each other, it's another way that we encourage and gather and move the mission forward in community with other people. It's such a wonderful tool that creates community. But all of these things are just simple things we can do better. And they're all important because here's why. In the end, in the end, our faith, life, and trying to be a light in this world, it will drain us. And our faith will be drained and it will seem to disappear if we don't plug in, engage it, and recharge. And I've been around the block a long time now. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen it so many times. Someone begins to disconnect from something we're talking about. They're just disconnecting from and it doesn't seem to show an adverse effect right away. For a while, they're like, I'm as good. It's like that vine I'll cut off the branch. It looks as good as it did on the branch. It's green and full of life right away. The batteries seem fine, even though I'm not recharging them. For a while, someone disconnects their faith. They disconnect from their, from their practices, from the things we talked about today. And for a while, there's no worse for the wear. Everything is fine. But over time... So it just kind of hits you one day. It's as obvious as finding the flashlight and realizing, man, one of those batteries has been dead. At some point along the way, what happened? How'd you get here? How did I get here? How did I end up in this spot, in this place? How did you find yourself in that mindset or those, that way of thinking or life Well, and, and your beliefs or whatever it may be? Just how did we go here? I don't know. I don't know what happened. We always want to pin it on some bad, one bad event that we just took a plunge. But it's usually not that. It's a series of small steps away from the beginning point where the first step on that journey away to being drained was simply we stopped connecting to an outside power source. And it takes a while to see. But that's the starting point. That's why it's important. That's why I encourage you to stay engaged in, in your Bible reading and I said it earlier, it's not just eating. I, I think I mentioned this in the first hour. Um, I like to eat. But um, not just on Sundays. I like to eat every day. And, and I, God's word's important every day. So, you know, I did this one time when I was younger and struggling to re read my Bible more. I'd say, I'm not going to eat any food today until I read the Bible. I promise you, I've quit forgetting to read the Bible because I get hungry. I'm like, okay, I've got to read something. But it, it, that was me. That was me just understanding the, that verse earlier, that this is important too. But to pray, take those walks or sit down in a chair and pray. Um, you know, mindfulness, meditation, music, 
uh, church gathering, don't get disconnected from the, from the outside power source. We cannot disconnect ourselves from our maker and expect to perform optimally or wholly in our lives. Our physical, emotional, relational, and mental recharging all interconnect with our spiritual recharging. So we're talking about recharge in this series, getting back to full when life leaves you feeling drained. And I don't know if you're excited about talking about the relational side of it or the mental side or whatever else it may be. It's all important. But the spiritual is so important. It's usually a step that we stop doing that doesn't show bad signs until it does. We have to trace it back to this. Keep ourselves connected to the outside power source.